Have you ever met an individual who belongs to the Mensa Group? The Mensa Group is known as an international high IQ society for people who score in the top 2% in intelligence tests. And we have one of those members in our church, Tom Birch, a figure in our church community whose education, experience, and understanding of the Bible makes him not only an esteemed elder in our church, but a frequent teacher or Sunday speaker. He has a discerning and critical mind and approaches the Bible with a thoughtful analysis. Also, Tom hails as an author and has written several books. In his early adult life, Tom and his wife, Evelyn, spent years as a missionary. He has a passion for teaching scriptures and living out the Word of God. Welcome to Tea Time with Gino. Tom, thank you for joining me with Tea Time with Gino. It's my pleasure, Gino. Yeah, you know, um, I see that you took a few sips of my tea. I just want you to know, because I know you don't love tea, I made the most flavorful, spice-filled tea just to give you the full blast of culture. I, I appreciate that. It is different from any other tea I have ever tasted. Thank you. Yeah. Um, enjoy. Well, thank you. I'll, <laughs> I will try. <laughs> no, it, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, no, Awesome. So, um, I've been doing a number of these episodes now, and I'm coming towards the tail end of uh, meeting with the elders of this church, Westside. And, uh, and I thought, I need to sit down with Tom. He's next on the list. And so, um, here we are today. And yours, there's a lot to unpack. You've lived a long, full, rich life with so many boxes checked off. Long, full. You're saying I'm old, right? Not <laughs> old, just seasoned. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was writing, I was just thinking about you and I thought my very first memory um, when we came over, Carrie and I, to your place, um, there's a lot that I knew about you already, but I didn't know that you had a little bit of a missions background. So I thought, I'm going to start there just get into a little bit of a missions background and because everyone here um, know you as a, a teacher, uh, you, you, you've preached on Sundays, you're running a seven, eight week teaching session now and you did it a year ago. Um, so some people may not know or most people may not know that you have a little bit of a missionary background. So um, where were you? How did it all come on? How did yes. this happen? I know it was you and Evelyn, but walk us through that episode of your life. Yeah, so it was a, it was an interesting um, introduction to missions. So we were at Bible College, and I saw a presentation from the president of Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I thought, I'm enjoying Greek. Um, not everybody enjoys Greek. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could do that. And I just, I've, I've often been a little more impetuous. And so I thought that, that must be what God's calling me to. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but I just said, that's what we'll do. And we weren't married yet. So I let Ev know that I decided that missions was in our future as long as she would still have me. Yeah. I was probably not as sensitive as I could have been yeah. when I was dropping a life changing bomb on the person I love. But, mm -hmm. um, she came along and, uh, we had a great time. Uh, we went to Burkina Faso. Yeah. Spent a little bit of time in Cameroon, but mostly in Burkina. But it was, um, it was a difficult time. Like we enjoyed the experiences and we look back with all positive memories. But at the time, uh, we were struggling with being new parents. Mm -hmm. We went over with a baby and um, just the whole culture differences and raising a child who we found out later had um, ADHD and we were struggling with some of those things without the support. And so, and then our, our sending church kind of was going through some turmoil at the time and we ended up not having a, enough support to continue. Mm -hmm. And so we came home after a couple of years and uh, looked at going back, but it just never quite seemed right. So we had a, a good experience for a few years in Africa, and we learned a ton about uh, cross-cultural things, and we helped out a lot with um, the the work that was going on there in West Africa. But um, 
in the end, we didn't stay with that. And it, my my hope had originally been that that's my career for life. I will be a missionary, and mm-hmm. and either I missed it, and we should have gone back, or I maybe took us there a little hastily, and God let us learn a few things, and then redirected us. So, mm-hmm. what um, years hmm. were you there? I want to say 88, 89. Late 80s? Yeah, and late what took 80s. You, what took you there? Oh, well, that was um, just, we looked at the world and we said, well, where's the greatest need? And yeah. of course, there's that window along uh, just north of the equator where there's the least gospel witness. Okay. Um, and so we said, well, that makes sense. And then, of course, you need to learn another language no matter where you go, just about. And so we said, well, if we're going to learn another language, we may as well make it one that's useful Mm -hmm. in Canada. So Mm -hmm. we looked at French West Africa, Mm -hmm. and then we went to Quebec to learn French because, of course, they wanted us to go to France. And I said, why would I leave Canada to learn French when we're a French country? Mm -hmm. So we went to Quebec City and learned French, and then we went over to Burkina. So it was really just a matter of where's the greatest need that fits best with our life and our nationality. So that's how we chose. Mm-hmm. Not not anguished nights of prayer. Maybe that how would was have been it? better. <laughs> yeah. How, so the couple of years that you were there, how was it when you touched down? So now you've landed from Canada and now you got to get to work. What was that like? Um. <clears throat> Yeah, the first. Did you, make, did you make did you make progress? Was it a yeah, lot we did. harder than you thought? Were they open to you guys being there? Oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah there was, there was no problem with the people wanting us there. The the Africans were incredibly um, welcoming, mm-hmm. and uh, we had no problem getting into to the swing and doing the work. Um, mm-hmm. We were young, and I I was very young. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, <laughs> I was eleven days older than me, so she wasn't as young, mm-hmm. but. Um, trying to to understand how to move in the culture without offending people yeah. took me a little bit longer. I'm pretty uh, get to it and mm-hmm. they're a little more relaxed as they ease into their day and stuff. But but no, they were very, very friendly and welcoming and, and that was not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we got sick, of course, the first after the first couple of weeks and we just adjusting <laughs> to climate and food. And yeah. All climate yeah. and food. We had, you know, amoebic dysentery and other yeah. things and malaria a few times. Yeah. And so that was a bit of a, uh, adjustment, but mm-hmm. you know, being sick, people worry about it too much. Mm-hmm. You get sick here, you go to the doctor, you usually get better. If you don't, you know, you, you struggle with what's God leading me through. Well, it's the same if you get sick in Africa or mm-hmm. anywhere else. Um, we get malaria, you go to the doctor, they'd give you drugs, you'd take them. You got better most of the time. Mm-hmm. Some people struggled with things more than others. And, you know, I never worried about it. But, uh, yeah, it was a little unpleasant at times. Mm-hmm. Typhoid wasn't fun, but, you know. Mm-hmm. What was your most, like, thinking back to that trip or the, the two years that you were there, what was your most memorable God moment? Hmm. Um, I think one of the things I I was going on a, a trip down to uh, can't remember the name of the village, but to to meet with one of our translation teams. Mm-hmm. We had been stationed in Wagadugu, which is the capital, mm-hmm. and uh, I just had a a little 80 cc Yamaha scooter. Mm-hmm. So I was going down and uh, of course it's all dirt roads and whatever. And I got a flat tire. So I just pulled over and I was waiting and this, finally a car came by, flagged him down and said, Hey, can you send a mechanic from the next town? Then I wait another hour or so. And this guy comes out on a bicycle and uh, he's trying to fix it, but he can't, he doesn't have the tools he needs to mm. really get it fixed. So he just said, well, I'll just pump it up and we'll, we'll ride on it. And you could, like we'd go uh, a few hundred yards and then he'd pump it some mm-hmm. more. And then we'd, <laughs> so it was a little bit crazy. One he was, after another. Well, then his bike chain broke. Okay. And he said, well, that's okay. I'll just get on the bike behind you and I'll, I'll carry my bike on my shoulders. Okay. But then with the weight it just wouldn't do it. Like yeah. the tire went flat immediately. Yeah. So I said, well, we can't do that. And so what we did was I drove the motorcycle 
and I held his hand. I just reached out and grabbed his hand and pulled him along on his bicycle. And then we'd stop every 500 meters and pump up my tire again. <laughs> and it was so surreal. And yet it was like a, a real bonding moment with, mm-hmm. you know, how do you solve a problem in a place that's so ridiculous? Like mm-hmm. we would never do anything like that in Canada. Mm-hmm. And yet they're, they're so willing to find a way to make it work. And then I got back to his village and, you know, I waited. I think I stayed overnight um, to get the tire fixed and everything else. It was just a, a really cool connection mm-hmm. with the people. And, uh, yeah. And that, that was your most, that was just a big God moment for you. It, it was, cause yeah. it was like God was showing me that, you know, I was having trouble really getting inside the head of the African people. Yeah. And because I'm there to do things for them, mm-hmm. right. You know, step aside, I'll mm-hmm. help you. Mm-hmm. And, I was so helpless Mm -hmm. and I needed somebody who had very little skills and I was completely dependent on him. Mm -hmm. And I got connected and saw the, the open heart that he had. Mm -hmm. And it was just, um, need to see, it was good to see. It was something I needed to see, I Mm -hmm. guess. So when you were there, what were you trying to accomplish and, and were you able to get it done? Um, no, the, our goal long-term was to be Bible translators, to get assigned into a a language and to spend the next 20 years and translate the Bible into that language. Um, when we got there, there was, everybody wants to go in and be on the front lines and nobody wants to go and be, uh, you know, in the office, uh, doing shipping, receiving or things. So they had this rule that if you come in new for the first two years, you have to do the office work because otherwise everybody would be in the villages and nobody would be in in the office work. So we got to serve the translation teams for a couple of years doing um, the shipping, receiving and office center management and all of those kind of administrative tasks. And um, then we came home. So we never actually got into language, uh, a translation of our own. Um, But, we did other things and we learned a lot. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. So coming back, coming back home, where did you find yourself in Canada? Um, Well, we came back to Calgary because my parents were there and we stayed with them while we got our feet under us. Yeah. Um, Had to look for work and trying to figure out what went wrong. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty devastated actually for a time just trying to say, how did I miss it so badly? You're whatever. talking about the missions trip? Yeah. Yeah. Is it like, a, a, like the, the finance thing or just not going to be able to get the job done? Like what was the devastation mm. there? Well, the thought that, that hey, I'm going to serve God by this all my life and then it doesn't work and you go, okay. so did I miss it? Right. Am I a problem? How is this that it didn't work out? Mm. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to to realize nothing's wasted in our life. Mm-hmm. And God takes everything and he builds on it. And all things do work together for mm-hmm. good. But well in the short term, you don't always see it, right? Um, looking back now, you don't feel that way? No. Not no, it was very, very positive experience where I learned a lot of things that I needed in my own spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And um, for me and Ev, we learned a lot of things in our marriage mm-hmm. that, uh, helped us out mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it was all good. But at the time, it was Rough. pretty dark. Yeah. And I got this job um, that I didn't know if it was going to work out or not, but it was in Vancouver. We And Ev's mom lived in Maple Ridge. So we moved to Maple Ridge, and I started working there in forestry. Totally unequipped for any of the thing in the job, but mm-hmm. I figured I'll learn it on as I go. And it's worked out okay for me. I'm still, you know, in the, in building that on that. Yeah. Um, but we got to live near Ev's mom mm-hmm. and she got to see her grandkids mm-hmm. and or the first two anyway. And then she passed away a few years later and we were able to lead her to the Lord, which mm-hmm. was really cool. So again, in that, I could see the hand of God bringing us there at that time to, to be with her and to help her. To impact her life that way. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then there's a chunk of time where you, you you moved around a little bit for work, and then you find yourself here in Prince George. Yeah, yes. so um, from starting with that job, with I was working for 
Fletcher Challenge. It yeah. became Timber West because they just, you know, companies split and mm-hmm. whatever. And then when I left there, I went to Salmon Arm and worked for Foresight Consultants, um, doing consulting in the same kind of field. Mm-hmm. And then I got itchy feet, I guess, and I moved from Foresight Consultants to another company, which mm-hmm. eventually became bought out by Trimble. And I didn't move. I stayed working from Salmon Arm. Mm-hmm. And then um, for a bit, we moved with them to uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. The we US, were there for yeah. two years. Um, I kept the house in Salmon Arm and mm-hmm. we came back to it mm-hmm. after, but we did a little stint down there for the company. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself out of work um, almost nine years ago mm-hmm. and I found a job up here. So mm-hmm. we moved up to Prince George. And up onto the heart. And up to the heart. Yeah, we we picked our house on one side of town and our church on the other, and yeah. that was probably not the wisest, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's led to a lot of driving. Yeah. So during this time of like getting into forestry and working with company in Atlanta and all that, were you able to? Um, were you active within the church? Did you do what you're doing now, writing um, and, and no, preaching we, and teaching? We were active. We've always been active in the church and, yeah. and always supported our church. Um, you know, however we could and financially and whatnot. Mm. But um, in a lot of ways, we got consumed with, or I got consumed with um, raising a family, uh, moving ahead in my career, trying to get stable, all of those things. So um, I would do a lot of service in the church, like, you know, stacking chairs and Mm -hmm. uh, being there to do whatever needed, work bees or whatever. Right. But... I wasn't, um, oh, we did a lot of acting and stuff on plays or, you know, Sunday school, but uh, never really uh, got into things the way I am now. Yeah. And then when I came up here, I was um, by myself for the first year because Ev was still in Salmon Arm and we hadn't sold our house there. And I was on a six month probation and I didn't want to do anything till after that and stuff. So I was here for just over a year by myself. Mm -hmm. And... uh, it was then that God kind of started poking at me saying, mm-hmm. hey, it's time to start putting to your gifts to use mm-hmm. and uh, start studying, start doing stuff. And and so it's really been from this church. And the first couple of years, I was just thinking about things and, you know, kind of playing with stuff a little bit here yeah. and there. And then suddenly there was an opportunity to preach one Sunday. Yeah. And after that, it was like, oh, well, he did okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get him to do more. And and God opened doors, and the church has been incredibly um, generous to me in letting me learn. And, and you know, you, you take a while to really hone a gift. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that people have listened to some horrible sermons from me. <laughs> <laughs> or boring or whatever, you know, it's, it takes time to, to learn how to uh, do stuff. And I'm, I've got a long way to go still, but uh, the church keeps giving me opportunities. So I, cool. I, by the way, this is good tea, right? You, you want c- me to say good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's good. Well, thank you for it drinking is good. it. <laughs> I'm loving it here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I want to say, I, I love it when you speak on Sundays. I, I love it. And oh, I you. think, um, I know you've been coming to Westside for seven, eight years, somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah, seven and a half, I think. Yeah. And I knew you connected with a few people here and then I heard you speak and something inside of me went, oh, like he, he kind of, like we have a lot of similarities in how we think. And, uh, and I thought he's someone I would like to connect with every now and then. And so that's how you and I started connecting yeah. and it's been awesome. I've, I've like enjoyed all our one-on-one moments that we've had and the things that we talk about with what we're reading or listening to and share information back and forth and all that. So I, I love it when you speak. Well, thank you. And, yeah. and uh, it's been really neat. And there's <clears throat> nothing like having a nice discussion well in a hot tub or a sauna or a pool. It's just it's good. been really great. Yeah, or tea. Or, or with tea, yes. <laughs> yeah, tea is one of those things that I, I've never really gotten into, but um, the ginger helps. This is, the ginger is very nice. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a, a Sri Lankan, like a brown guy like me in your life. You're going to have to start <laughs> drinking this type of stuff. <laughs> um, so you, I've seen, 
you're like writing now and, and, and preaching and teaching. So we'll get into a little bit of that. But um, there's something you shared one time with me uh, where you said you are part of a Mensa group. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did I and tell you that? You did. And I thought, and I thought, what? What is even, what's, what's this even? So I looked yeah. it up and I thought, wow, like high IQ, top 2%. And so when did that enter your life? Was that always there? Or did you so do that when you started writing? Yeah, no, that's a weird kind of interlude. I never realized that I had a higher IQ until very much later in my life. And that's probably a good thing because they say most people with a high IQ are not as happy in life. Yeah. That's one of the things that, and I think it's because they, they expect more from themselves than what's realistic or something. Mm. So anyway, I got wondering, and I always like doing those IQ tests online, but you know, they, they come up and they say, you're a genius, send us 20 bucks and we'll tell you how smart you are. And it's like, well, I'm smarter than that. I'm not sending you any money. <laughs> but I thought maybe I should just do it for a, for a lark. And so I, I took the Mensa test, which mm -hmm. is, like you said, the, the top 2% um, get into Mensa. And they'll tell you if you're in the top one or the top two. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't think I'd done that well on it, honestly, but I, I passed it and got in. So here you are. I am a Mensan, but uh, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really not very important. Yeah. But uh, I know. I just thought that was, I've never heard of it. I didn't even know it was a thing until you brought it up. And I thought, this is a thing? So, yeah. But um, uh, I just thought that was a neat little well, fun yeah. fact about Tom's life. Well, it, it actually did help me to say, okay, God, this is something, like God gives all of us different place in life mm -hmm. to, where we, we have various talents and everybody has them mm -hmm. and they're all different. Mm -hmm. And so this was my way of saying, okay, so this is something that God gave me. It's not like I did anything. Mm -hmm. It's just how I was born. Mm -hmm. And so what it does when you realize what your gifting is, is it makes you more responsible to use it. And so then I go, okay, maybe I should study and I should try and because I mean it doesn't help unless you work on it right so you still got to do a lot of study and and or I have to do a lot of study to try and see where uh, where it leads me mm -hmm. so trying to be uh, faithful to God with whatever he's given me right <clears throat> now the last seven years your west side years um, I've noticed so you, you've written a number of books and you're currently working on another one yes yes um, so I didn't know that about you. And I've, I've known you for a, a, a while now. And, and you, know, you brought it up recently. And I thought, hey, um, there are other people that might not know that you write and might be interested in seeing what you write about uh, or reading your books. Um, yeah. Give us a walkthrough. Like, what, what have you... So this is all West Side, yeah. right? I, I was asked if I would teach at one of the Enlighten, before we called it Enlighten, a number of years back. And I... I was working through the book of uh, Jeremiah and I thought, well, I'll just teach on that. Mm -hmm. And so I taught through things that I'd been studying in Jeremiah. And when it got done at the end of the seven weeks, I thought I should organize all my notes so that I can keep this because mm -hmm. it was a lot of work to get this together. And I organized them all and I, and I thought, this is a book. Mm -hmm. I should put it out as a book. And I thought, that's crazy. But so I put that together and I published a book on Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And then I got, as I went in, it's like you do it once and you say, I could do that again and I could get better because the first one you do is always, well, hopefully the worst, right? And then it gets better after that. Yeah. So then I, I did one on uh, prayer yeah. and the Lord's Prayer. Um, What's that book called? Uh, the sec Bring the sec Out the Capstone. And then I was um, kind of going through Daniel and I thought there's a story here about and it's some things you'll find I've preached if you went back through all the archives I probably preached a sermon around something sure. and it got me thinking yeah so I did a Christmas story which was kind of a an idea to see if I could tell a story and not just straight teaching yeah and um, I just enfolded all of the prophecies of Daniel into it so walking with the magi and then this one I'm just about finished. It's the final stages of editing. 
uh, it goes along with what I'm teaching this year mm-hmm. on end times and battle for the bride and just how we wait for Christ mm-hmm. and what we should be like as we wait for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this one. I'm trying to uh, step up my game and, and get it better than other ones I've done. So I've been studying how to format books better and I've got a lady doing some artwork for me so that it looks really nice mm-hmm. and... And I'll probably go back now and try and clean up my previous ones and make you, them a little better. Do you enjoy writing? I love it. You love I, it. I and, get up and you love. I know you love researching and reading and critically looking at stuff. Yeah, biblically. Yeah, I'll, I find um, Saturday and Sunday it's not uncommon for me to wake up at five o'clock and because like this is my time. I yeah. can go just study for the rest of yeah. the morning. It's your, TV, so. it's your TV. It's your Sunday morning TV time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll do most of my work on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings. Yeah. And a little bit during the week, but yeah. by the end of a day of work, you know, I'm getting older and I, I don't have the stamina. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of times I kind of collapse in the evening and don't do as much, but right. Mornings are best for me. Right. So you talked about this teaching series that you're in. Now the church is divided. You got like little pockets of classes all over the place. So for those that aren't sitting in on your class, the um, Battle for the Bride, yeah. you talked about how as Christians, having to wait on, on Christ's return, if you can put it in a, in a small package and share it with the others that sure. are not in your class now, how would you word it? Well, you know, there's the parable of the um, the virgins waiting with the oil and they're waiting for the the bridegroom. And five of them have extra oil, which is the Holy Spirit. And, and the other five didn't have any extra. And so they, they're not ready. And then they, they get left behind. Mm-hmm. There's a sense where as Christians, we are to be those who are eagerly anticipating the return of our Lord. Mm-hmm. That's I, as more I read the Bible. That's the one thing after love. You know, we'll, we'll know that we're His followers because we have love for each other. The next is that we're eagerly waiting for Him. Mm-hmm. And I wonder in my own life, am I eagerly waiting, or am I forgetting all about the fact that He's coming back? Mm-hmm. And so. It's that sense of having your your lamp ready, having extra oil, pressing into God and saying, how should I live knowing that any minute I could be in the presence of my my God? Mm -hmm. And if I have to wait my whole life and I die at 100, I'm still, it's not that far away. Mm -hmm. Life is short and eternity is forever. And we should be waiting for him just right from job on you have job saying i know that my redeemer lives and will stand on the earth and i will see him with my own eyes Mm -hmm. there's that anticipation and he was in the midst of suffering and all the rest that he was going through Mm -hmm. and yet he had that that hope in him and it should carry through for all the people of god that we just are yeah eager for him so you talk about like eagerly waiting what would that look like in in your life um, or are, are you eagerly waiting? Oh, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, more, more all the time. And, and it's, it's something you have to press into, right? It's easy to get caught up in the busyness of life mm-hmm. and forget. But it's if you want to spend eternity with him, then you want to spend time with him now. So part of it is just the praying. Mm-hmm. And um, I find... I. I usually wake up in the middle of the night and it's probably just that age I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I wake up and I pray. And when I'm driving in my car, I try and pray and, mm-hmm. and just having that sense of closeness with him. So it's not even praying about things, but more just wanting to be with him and in mm-hmm. his presence. And then it's service too, mm-hmm. because um, he's created us for good works uh, that he ordained for us to walk in. And so as we, press into him, it will express itself in, in how we serve each other. And it's not that the service is of anything. It's, it's irrelevant, but it's, it's an outworking of our love for him mm-hmm. is that we want to uh, reach out to others and help them or serve them in any way we can, right? Just use our gifts and say, mm-hmm. well, we need Sunday school teachers. I want to do that. We need uh, whatever it is, you know, somebody at the, the coffee ministry, because that allows people to connect better in the Sunday mornings. And it's a spiritual ministry, mm-hmm. even if it's just making coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is ever just, right? It's something 
that facilitates the the family life that mm-hmm. we have. So um, I think that's part of it. It's mm-hmm. just pressing in to say, what do you have for me today, God? Let's walk it through together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine, um, I think I've shared this with you with the eagerly waiting <clears throat> part where for me is, um, I just, I'm in the financial world. Yep. So I get a lot of behind the scenes look at, the governments and finances and how things run monetarily and world banking systems and things like that. And then of course my kids go to, to, to school. So I have that age where I'm exposed to carry, you know, as a principal of the school. So I get exposed to a lot of this. So I see all these, these systems that are in place, governments that are in place. And I just look at it and go like the heart just aches just with how broken everything is. And I see just confusion with people and, and so I just look at that anytime, I'm not saying uh, this is right. I'm just saying this is when my thoughts, these thoughts cross my head. I'll be thinking about something and I'll go, oh, you know, God, like I just, this world needs you. Um, and I hope I, we see you soon. I hope mm-hmm. I see you soon. And I hope that time is near, right? So, yeah, like I I, I, I hear you um, with, with eagerly waiting for Christ's return. Yeah. 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 Um, how are you liking the, the series as you're walking through this eight week program, this eight week teaching series? Um, I have so much material and it's so hard to, you need 10 weeks. Yeah. (laughs) 10 weeks. I need a year, but, um, trying to, to keep it relevant Mm because there's, there's all kinds of the curious parts. Yeah. Like what's it going to be like when, he opens the sixth seal or whatever. And and so there's that where you want to kind of look at what can we know mm-hmm. about what uh, is said about the end times. But then there's the application and like, how does this challenge me and how does it um, make me a better person mm-hmm. if I follow it? And so... One of the parts of Revelation is is the you know chapters two and three are the letters to the churches, which we should be able to judge ourselves and our church against them and say, are we doing the good things that they're commended for? Are we slipping into the errors that they're rebuked for? How do we move ahead and get closer to be like the good church and further from the the ones that were falling away from from Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, that's an an exciting part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not what people are looking for when they say end times. Mm-hmm. They, they want to know, well, who's the antichrist, mm-hmm. right? Is it? Why, why does this topic <laughs> fascinate you? Why are you so intrigued with this? You know, I I never used to be. I used to think I'll just see how it turns out when I get there. Yeah, but as I looked into, I I think I never thought I could understand it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a hard, it's hard to understand. But I've been kind of led from Jeremiah and I did a whole lot of study in Ezekiel yeah. and I got a kind of got lost there, which is why there's no book. And then I <laughs> went into Daniel yeah. and um, from Daniel, I read some of the, the other minor prophets and things they said. And I, I just thought, maybe I could understand this. I'm, yeah. I'm starting to get the background that's needed. It's hard to get into Revelation if you don't feel like you understand Daniel. Yeah. And so then I, I just started uh, reading through it. And I, I tend to just read the same book maybe 40 times mm-hmm. before I look at any other commentaries or anything. I want to make sure I understand how the text flows. And I, as you start to read a verse you're starting to anticipate the end of it because you know, you know, mm-hmm. and then, then I feel like, okay, I've had a chance to put my thoughts together. I have all kinds of questions, but they're, they're thought through questions. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start um, studying more to say, okay, what has been written in commentaries and other people and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> the more I got into it, the more I was drawn in. And just when I was a, a teenager, there was a big push on end times mm-hmm. and get ready. Jesus could come mm-hmm. any day. And if you're not ready, you know, you'll be left behind mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then it kind of faded in the church. And I've, I feel like I've come back to it where I have that schoolboy excitement mm-hmm. of saying, it could be today. Mm-hmm. It could be in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, 
I'm going to see him soon anyway, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm already 60. So how many years can I have left? Another 40? <laughs> yeah. So so it's it's not that long. I yeah. mean, 40 years, that's nothing. I've already yeah. done that one and a half times, yeah. right? So, yeah. and I just am more and more excited about it. Yeah. So, so what's this? Okay, so... What's this final book called? Battle for the Bride. Okay, it is called Battle yeah, for the Bride. I, okay. I named my course after the book. This time I did, I did the book first and then the course, which mm-hmm. makes the course much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except that I have too much material. Mm-hmm. But, um, and for those that want to get a hands on their on a copy, when is it going to be released? I'm hoping I'll have copies here by the end of February. Okay. That, that's my best guess at this point. Yeah. And yeah, if you missed the course and you wish you could have come, then you can buy the book. Or if you hit the course and you wish you could have had more details, you can buy the book. Yeah. Um, they can also get to know you for eight weeks and you can give yes, yes I, the play-by-play. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Come talk to Tom if you wanted to talk about Daniel, Ezekiel, Revelation. Bring tea. He loves it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll he'll talk. The, the tea was wonderful. Yeah. Um, it has gone cold, unfortunately. Yes, so just, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Um, did you do a lot of teaching in your like previous, like prior to Westside, teaching and writing and things like that? Like this looks like a very new, new yeah, adventure. Yeah, no, this is, this is very new. When yeah, I was exciting. at Bible, I, I, did, I have a four-year degree at Bible college. Yeah. And when I was there, of course, we had to preach. Yeah. And I, I went down to um, the Union Gospel Mission in downtown Vancouver, mm-hmm. and I did stuff down there and whatnot. Um, in Africa... I did a little bit, but mm-hmm. not a lot. And then when I got home, that was kind of it. I, mm-hmm. I let that whole thing, the, that whole door closed. And I felt like, well, if, if the door in, to Africa is closed, then the door to ministry is closed. And I really um, wasted a lot of years mm-hmm. uh, where I could have done more and I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a, a thought that just crossed my head. This is going, when you said missions. There are lots of people here that are going on missions trips, exploring missions trips, and that missionary kind of life's looking into it. If you could, um, if you could go back, or think to yourself like, "Oh, if I can redo this again, I would, I would have done it this way." What would you? How would you answer that question? Yeah. So I if never you go back to a Tom back yeah. in '87. What would you tell him? I never went on any missions trips until we went to Africa yeah. and we went with the intention of going for life and staying there forever. Yeah. Right. Um, that was a mistake doing short term missions, going out for three weeks or a week or two months or doing a, a discipleship training with YWAM for six months. Mm-hmm. Those would have been good things for me to have mm. done to get a feel for what it is and to go into, then when you just say, okay, I'm going to go for life. This is what I want to do. You're going in with your eyes open. Mm -hmm. Whereas I went in absolutely blind. I had no idea what I was doing. So it wasn't a place at all. No. It was all internally. It was Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not Africa. It wasn't, it was nothing external. No, Mm -hmm. it was, it was internal. So So you're you're looking at that and and we weren't prepared and maybe, we could have come back, regrouped, and gone out, and we did try a mm-hmm. little bit, but um, but no, it would have been good. I would encourage all of our young people mm-hmm. go on some short term missions. Go when there's you know, it's just for a little bit, and you know you're coming home, mm-hmm. and you can put up with almost anything because it's going to end, mm-hmm. and then you learn what it's like, and then you come back and you have the the excitement of what you've been able to do. But you also have some grounding in what it's like to live in another culture. Like many people in North America don't have a clue what another culture is like. Mm -hmm. And we need to get that kind of uh, experience. It's good for all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. I don't think that going on missions is as much for the people you're going to on short-term missions Mm -hmm. as it is for yourself. It's, It's so uplifting in our own spirit to go and do it. And um, it builds the communication between us and say the Bud Center or us and Pastor Paul and and all that he's doing there with the orphans and stuff. It builds those communication bridges, which are really important, Mm -hmm. but mostly it's just for our own spirit to to be challenged and encouraged in the Lord and and to then say, okay, God, do you want me to do this Mm -hmm. full time? Or what do you want me to do? And you have a better place to, to pick that from. I'd also say the same thing about school. 
don't jump from high school straight into university to become a whatever. Mm-hmm. Take a year and dig in on your faith. Mm-hmm. Come out of high school and do a one-year Bible college. Come out of high school and, and serve somehow mm-hmm. um, just to see what God is saying. Right. Um, very valuable. Right. Um, these uh, These few years that you've had where you're writing books and preaching and teaching and all of that, What's been the most exciting project you've been working on? Well, it's always the last one. Yeah. But it's also <laughs> it's also the most discouraging project. As yeah. you, you know, you, you go through highs and lows. Yeah. And um, when it's just about all together, you're like, I can hardly wait. And then it, it's all together and you go, oh, is it worth it? What, did I do well enough? Did I put enough effort into this? Is it going to bless people? Mm-hmm. And, and you just... I don't know. I maybe I'm just more fragile than most people, but I bounce back and forth, and I just have to keep bringing it to God and saying, you know, when I think it's just amazing, it's probably not that good, mm-hmm. and I just give it to God to bless it how He will. And when I think it's a disaster, I just say, you know what? It's in His hands, and and uh, He uses the weak things of the world to confound the strong, and the, the foolish to confound the wise. So, yeah. His, mm-hmm. his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So, mm-hmm. and, you'll, I, and you'll continue to do what you're doing now? I will, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't afford to retire, so otherwise I'd go into it, you know, full on. But yeah. um, at this point, it takes me about a year to, to do Study a book. I, I started this one about a year ago. It'll yeah. be, uh, you know, before so, it's finished. So what's, what's your process? Like when you, when you're teaching a series or, uh, Daniel as an example, or, uh, the battle of the bride, what's your process? You have a, a time where you research and then from that to standing in front of people and speaking, like walk us through that journey. Um, so usually I'm, I'm doing it in pieces yeah. and a lot of times it'll come from a sermon first. I'll be reading something and God sort of says, oh, dig in on this. And, and then Lucas will show up and say, Hey, could you cover on whatever day? And it's like, yeah, I've got something I want to say mm-hmm. um, that I feel God's leading me <clears throat> into. So it'll be pieces. And then I, I get that and, and God says, well, let's, let's look at that. Can we expand it and stuff? And then it'll dig into more of uh a study. So the Daniel one, um, walking with the Magi came from a sermon and I, I think I was dressed up in a a costume of a wise man and just talking like I was on my way to see the Christ child. Right. And then I, I thought, okay, well, this could become something. And maybe, you know, at Christmas people are more open to the gospel. So if there was a book that it's more of an apologetic of why, you can trust the Bible because God declares the end from the beginning and then it comes to be. And, and, um, so I built on that and I just wrote out this story about a guy bumping into the Magi on their Mm -hmm. way to Jerusalem. And so he goes with them and, and they explain to him all these things that have been prophesied and Mm -hmm. what they're following. And, and so, you know, that one was a lot of fun and it just kind of came together and, and it needs a bit of a facelift, which I'll give it this next year. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that I asked you before when we connected for uh, at your place there. Um, when you approach the Bible and you're reading and trying to understand something, how do you go about reading it and absorbing it and trying to understand what scriptures are trying to teach you how do you approach the bible mm. do you My, remember me I, it was a while ago yeah. that i asked you that because i i remember we were just talking and the conversation just went in that direction and i went how do you do that tom like how do you approach the bible and how do you see what it's trying to tell you and look at it from this angle and you try to look at it from this angle and yeah i think the most daunting thing about the bible is how big it is and there's yeah. so much that connects through it there's threads that that run through and themes but unless you know it all, you can't understand the piece you're looking at mm-hmm. in a, in some ways. And so it, it can be daunting to get in because you go, I don't know enough to know anything to go in to get more. Mm-hmm. And yet God's gracious in the way he wrote the Bible that, you know, there's, there's um, gems just scattered on the path that we can pick up 
even if we've never read it before as we start. And then there's stuff that you can dig a little and you find more and then you can dig deep and, and you never you never exhaust it. So I find just reading it lots and it's not like, well, I got to get something from this verse today for me. And I can just read and and not get any particular message from God for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning things. And then all of a sudden, things that I've read over and over and I've studied a bit just kind of click together. And it's like, oh, this is talking about that. And mm-hmm. that's how this fits in. And suddenly, there's a whole piece of a puzzle that just develops. And God speaks to me then through that. Mm-hmm. So I find I do a lot of study. And then there's... Um, points where God steps into my study and speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not every day. And I, I just have to not get discouraged if it's been a while since I felt like God was giving me a message for me. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I just need to learn more and then the pieces will start to fit together. Mm-hmm. You um, Another rule that actually we haven't talked about is you're an elder in the church. Yeah. Yes. And you have been for a few years now. Um, well, the, our church has a, a slow process yeah. for bringing on elders. So we sit with the elders. I've been sitting with the elders for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And then it's been about a, not quite a year, I think, since mm-hmm. I've been officially an elder. <clears throat> um, just since the last AGM, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, um, or around that. So, but but yes, I've been with the elder group for for a number of years, mm-hmm. and um, of course, it got slower because of COVID and other things, right? So, that was uh, partly that too. We're not usually that slow, right? But um, it's been a really uh, good experience of getting to know the men who have been um, giving the spiritual covering to the church, mm-hmm. and just seeing how things work at at Westside, getting uh, more deeply connected with the church. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've been, my wife and I have been working in a a home group we've had since we came here. First, we were attending it, then we are leading it. Mm -hmm. And um, so you get to know some people that way, but then you, it's nice to spread out that um, connections Mm -hmm. and get to know more and more people within the church. And I wish I knew everybody, but you know, it's coming little by little by little. Mm -hmm. So yeah, being an elder is, is uh, a great honor. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot of responsibility that, you know, to, to uphold the church in prayer and to be faithful in that, Mm -hmm. you know, day in and day out Mm -hmm. that this is what you're, what the calling is to. Mm-hmm. So how, um, how do you, how would you define being an elder? Like, what do you, what do you think that would look like? Uh, well, so there's qualifications for an elder in, um, in the Bible where it talks about, um, you know, good moral standing and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of a given, but then the, the job of the elder is to uphold the church in prayer, to mm-hmm. guard, um, orthodoxy, um, in the teaching. Mm-hmm. So to, to know the Bible, I, as I study the Bible more, it's like it equips me to be an elder, to be mm-hmm. able to guide the church and to watch for things that are coming at us all the time from our culture that want to knock us off our path. And, uh, you know, God has put the elders there to hold the church on the path. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like as an elder, like as an eldership, you guys have had some ups and downs. How do you, um, when you go through, it's easy to talk about when things are great, but when things, when challenges come your way, what are the first couple of things as an, as an elder group, you guys go, okay, this is, this is the first thing we need to do together. Well, the, I think the first thing is just the, um, the bond between the, the whole group. So we have to united? be strong. We have to be strong with each other. Yeah. Like uh, in relationship, to know that we trust each other, yeah. that we we believe um, that everybody is equipped and equipping the church, mm-hmm. and uh, they're there to make sure that we pull through things the right way. Mm-hmm. And then we just have to listen to each other because God is speaking through all of the elders. Right. 
um, to each of the others and and to the church. And he speaks through the body to the elders as well. Mm-hmm. It goes, you know, we have people coming to the elders all the time saying, this is what I think God is saying. And we have to evaluate those things and and say, well, which, which way are we moving the church, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the family um, unity is the most important thing mm-hmm. and just making sure that we're, we're pulling together in the, mm-hmm. in the team. I stay unified. Yeah. Yeah. No, neat. Um, this is something I typically ask tours as we come to the, the kind of the, the end of the conversation is um, your purpose. What do you feel like God's asking you to do in this next stage of life that you're going to? Why are you alive? What's your purpose? So our purpose in life, I mean, there's an overarching purpose to yeah. uh, glorify God, to enjoy Him, yeah. to to use our giftings and stuff for Him. But then there are specific purposes in different seasons of life, right? Um, I don't have to raise my kids anymore. They're all raised. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have to worry about uh, finances like I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, we're stable now and all that. So... There are things that were important that God, if he gives you a family, he says, if you're married, you have responsibilities. You can't, uh, you know, that's why Paul says, I wish everyone was single because then you'd be focused only on the ministry. Mm. But he says, that's not for everybody. So he he might have wished it, but he he knew that it wasn't God's plan for everybody. Mm -hmm. Most of us get married and we have to take care of the things of this world to a point, Mm -hmm. trusting them with God. But... um, as I'm looking toward my retirement, which is still a few years out, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm getting there, I'm just excited because I think God is preparing me now to be able to be uh, studying and writing and teaching and mm-hmm. preaching. And what that looks like exactly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's going to be more than just within Westside, mm-hmm. that it'll be a, an outward ministry that mm-hmm. I can have within the greater body of Christ. But I don't really know, but I know that this is my um, my place where God has put me to learn and the people that he's put around me to help me learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to the body here. So this and is what you want your retirement years to kind of look absolutely. like? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, prepared. eventually I'll, I'll slow down, but mm-hmm. uh, right now I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, oh, I got a good 15, 20 years that I can be just writing and speaking and doing you know, it's stuff. funny, all the guys that I've sat down with that are either retired or close to retiring, no one said cruising or going and playing golf. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want to waste my retirement. Yeah. And and the, the thought of being more or less financially free, yeah. I mean, I probably won't ever be totally financially free. Yeah. I'm just not that rich. But yeah. um, <clears throat> the thought that I don't have to work 40 hours a week to make mm-hmm. a living mm-hmm. and I can do things that are just for service. Mm-hmm. That That is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God will provide if I'm, if I don't quite have everything I need, he'll allow me to get whatever I have. Right. You know, he, he takes care of us, but it's not about another career. It's just about being free to minister and, and say, what do you want me to do today, God? And I'm, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to retiring. Yeah. You, you talked about the, uh, your ministry going to the, the greater body outside of Westside. Do you currently do anything like that now that's outside of Westside? Um, yes and no. I have uh, done some ministry uh, for a number of years yeah. with um, the Sunrise House. And, oh. which is a, a halfway house for men, right? And Oh, here in PG? Yes, yeah. Oh, and okay. So some of the some of the guys who come here from Baldy Hughes have also been there. There's a lot of okay. uh, connections between the different places. So you know the guys that are here from the Baldy Hughes? I know a few of them. Okay. Not not all of them. Okay. Um and I the last while I've been too busy on other things and I yeah. haven't been able to do a lot of stuff there, but I have done so what that. Do you, what do you do there? Um, I would lead uh, teaching times once a week. Okay. And Okay. So, and it, it's a little bit out of my um, expertise, right? I don't... Why is that? Well, I mean, you're dealing with, um, in those cases, people who are struggling with addictions and okay. stuff and I... 
that's just not your skill set. It, it's not my direct skill set. Sure. I mean, I have experiences with uh, struggles in my life where not you can draw parallels, but it's not yeah. the same. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. But definitely, it's been uh, you know a good place, great guys to yeah. get to know and and um, have an opportunity to speak. So, how do you relate to those bit. guys? Like, what do you talk about when you're there? Because from what I know, you know, when you start teaching here, it's very in depth, like the Book of Revelation, yeah. which is very so none of that because that's detailed. not so relevant. Yeah. Right? So what do you? How do you? How do you? What, what do you talk to uh, them about? I think I just bring it back down to more of the basics of okay. our faith and um, how to press into God and get the strength we need from the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not all saved, mm-hmm. so there's a lot more that I would speak on just uh, basic salvation, what mm-hmm. it means, why God. And just uh, the love of Christ. Does, yeah, the love of Christ. Yeah. And then basic uh, Christianity 101, how to step into it. And, yeah. and a lot about how we need each other, right? Yeah. Because if you're struggling with addiction, you're not generally going to get through that without the support of mm-hmm. um, brothers Others? and sisters sure. or brothers around you. If it's a yeah. man's halfway house. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you need we need each other on those things, right? We need to be held accountable, and that's why it says in the Bible, "Confess your sins one to another." And, and um, so, I'll talk about that and how to rely on each other to to keep us on the path that we want to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to become a Christian to break addiction, but it's way harder if you only have people and you don't have the Holy Spirit. So we talk about the Holy Spirit and what he can do for you. And then we talk about each other and what we need from the body mm-hmm. and kind of leave it there. Mm-hmm. No, amazing. That's the only thing. It's just sun, the Sunrise House. Was there another? Uh, no, just that, that one it? at this point. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. That must be interesting, hey? You must have some interesting conversations over there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Things that you normally don't run into. Very different, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they're they're struggling with a whole different set of of issues, right? Yeah. Than than the average person who comes into a church door, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's everybody's struggling, right? Yeah. We're all we're all working our way closer to God, and yeah. that's what we're trying to to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. And at some point, you get to that point where you say, "Oh, that means I submit my life completely to Christ." Okay, then you've you know, you join the family, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that the sanctification process is over. We mm-hmm. still are pressing in and trying to walk it out in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to my surprise, there are a lot of people that actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> so um, I'd like to wrap this up by asking any final thoughts from Tom. Oh, final thoughts. That's that's a very open question. Mm-hmm. Um I would just say, you know, where I've been coming through in the last few years is just trying to walk into my gifts Mm -hmm. and say, God, what talents and and abilities have you given me? And maybe I'm not using them. How do I get to that point where Mm -hmm. I do? And I would just encourage people. This is such um, an accepting congregation. Mm -hmm. And we are family. We want to be family. if you're looking at what should I do, what, how do I serve or how do I get closer to God, mm-hmm. take chances with your gifts here and just try things. If you don't know what your gifts are, just say, well, what are the needs? I'll do that and see how it works out. And you may find some surprises about yourself mm-hmm. and uh, you'll be more connected and you'll be happier in the Lord when you're serving. So if you're not already, I would just encourage people look into uh, what you can do and mm-hmm. and press ahead with God in, in service to the body. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll find it's an awesome way to live. Awesome. Tom, thank you so much. You bet. It was a pleasure. I thought um, there's, you know, there's a couple of things I learned today that I did not know. So yeah. I, I love that. Everyone that I sit down with, I'll always learn a couple of things and I just go, hey, I, I had no idea and I've known this person for a few years or many, many years. So it's neat. Thank you. Well, I will say this, Gino, um, Every time I talk to you, mm-hmm. I, I go away and I think, <clears throat> I think I was just talking about myself. You have a way of drawing people out that's just beautiful to watch. And um, Thank you. And, and I got to learn how to do that more and find out more about you. Yeah. 
there's a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I spent a lot of years studying that book. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Plus, probably maybe a little bit of, uh, I just, I have, that's what I do for work. I have right. conversations with people all day long. So I just, I just, these are things that I learned throughout the, throughout my, 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 my work. So, well, but thank you. You bet. Yeah. Awesome. That's a wrap for this edition of Tea Time with Gino. We hope that you'll be back next time for another fresh cup of tea and fresh conversation on Tea Time with Gino. 